Amen. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we do give you thanks and honor and glory for all that it is that you've done. We bound where, Lord, that we are prone to wandering and leaving, but we are thankful that you have bound yourself to us and that you are faithful to complete the work that you've began. So come, thou fount of every blessing, and may we embrace um, you and your goodness and your kindness to us as we embrace you. And that's my prayer tonight, Father. Give us eyes and help us to see what a wonderful gift it is that we have in the eternal one taking notice of the temporal ones and giving us, those who dwell in darkness, eternal life as it proceeds from the Son that has come to us. So we thank you, Lord. We, we, we pray these things. We ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to be looking at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 tonight, so you can turn there. Um, we're going to be talking about the word of eternal life. Last week, uh, we looked at um, John, and we saw that the point was that we are going to examine what John says regarding the signs that are recorded that Jesus did, um, so that we might believe in the, him and thus have life in him. And that for those of us who already have life in him, that we might know that we have life in him. And so we join together John chapter 20 with 1 John chapter 5, and that we might look to Christ and believe in him. And by believing him, we might have life. And that for those of us who have life in him, we might know that we have life in him. And I was, this is what I was thinking about this week. Thinking about Westminster says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Enjoying God. Now, if I were to ask you if that's one of the things that describes your relationship with God, that you enjoy him, what would your answer be? Where does enjoying God rank on the list of things that you know you should be doing in response to God. If I'm being completely honest, enjoying God is just not the first thing that comes to my mind. I think of worshiping God. I think of glorifying God. I think of serving God. I think of praying to God. Why is it that enjoying him is so far down the list for me. And if it is for you too, why? Why is, why is it that the Westminster divines, as they call them, who wrote the Westminster Confession, put that at the top? Chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him. And then, of course, I started to think about Piper saying the that God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in him, that my satisfaction, i.e. my enjoyment in God, actually is related to my glorifying God. <clears throat> that the more, the happier I am in God, the more that I enjoy God, the more, that, more apt he is to be glorified in my life. And again, it causes me to think about this relationship between glorifying God and enjoying God. 
what I want to do tonight, and, and again, share with you um, something that came out of actually a conversation that I was having with Wayne after men's breakfast. We was talking about Deuteronomy chapter 28, blessings and curses, and it reminded me of one of the things that the Lord says to Israel and why he does not take pleasure in them. Deuteronomy 28, 47. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart because of all the abundance of all these things. Like God had blessed them and, and he's blessed us. He, he, he showered his, his, his power of redemption and blessing. And I mean, just, just think of the Exodus narrative and the story and the miracle after thing, after thing, after thing, after thing that God did for these people that oftentimes were grumbling and complaining and questioning him. And ultimately, one of the things that he takes into consideration is that you did not serve me with joyfulness and gladness of heart. Do we, do we serve God to glorify him, to worship him, but also because we enjoy him? And that's one of the things that I want for us to consider tonight as we look at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And my prayer is honestly that as we look at what an incredible thing it is that God has done for us, the eternal word came and gave us life, that that would, that, that would create within us an enjoyment of what he has done and an enjoyment of him. And that would free us to worship him fully and to serve others and to be humble and to be people that forgive. I mean, so much of what God calls us to do in the Christian life, the really difficult things become not so difficult when we take our pleasure and our joy in him and in him alone. And I think what it is that we see tonight in John chapter one, verses one through five, gives us plenty of reasons to enjoy him and get an idea of who he is so that we can enjoy him. So uh, we're going to begin where John begins. John chapter 1 verses 1 through 5. I'll read and then we want to look at the word being eternal and then the word being that which gives life. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen? Amen. Before we can truly enjoy him, we must understand something about him. Two things, namely, that we see in our text tonight, that he is eternal and that he gives life. Um, in the beginning, John, John's gospel begins the same way the Bible begins. And he's intentionally drawing our attention back to the Elohim, the God, that in the beginning God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. This is the word. 
he, the, the God who cr- was doing creation is who we know to be the Son, but who has always been known as the Word, the second member of the Trinity. And there, I got to tell you, there are volumes and volumes and volumes of books written upon John 1.1. And I'm not even going to begin to try to mine the depths of all of that. But I do hope that we are, we are gripped by the reality that the one who is eternal in nature and maintained his eternal nature also took on flesh and became like one of us. For the creator became part of creation. The maker became part of what was made in order to give life to those who dwell in darkness. As he beams forth as this brilliant light that imparts life unto mankind, sinful man that dwells in darkness. It's, it's incredible. It's amazing of what it is that he's done for us. Um, when he says in the beginning, he's not talking about the beginning of God, but the beginning for us, the beginning of our time, the beginning of creation, everything we know of physical and spiritual realities in the beginning. You, we, you Just try and fathom the fact that before there became time for us, there was always eternity past, and the triune God has always occupied that eternal space. Perfectly happy, content, triune, Father, Son, Spirit, existing, as they would say, um, in one essence, but yet three subsistences or persons. I mean, it's, it's just, it's mind-blowing. For eternity, there has been one, the, the one God of one essence, yet existing in three persons completely always rejoicing in one another, with one another, glorifying and enjoying. God God enjoys himself infinitely. And so that's why he calls us to enjoy him as well. So in the beginning was the word. And this is how Jesus is referred to here in this passage as being the word. Um, This is what I read in different ways that people describe why Jesus the Son of God, the second member of the Trinity, is defined or described as the Word. Um, One said he is the ambassador or the interpreter. He's called the Word because he is our ambassador or interpreter. He would reveal the Father to his own, the one that no one sees, and he would speak to men that they might see the way of salvation. Another one says that he is described as the Word because he is the whole manner of Scripture we call the Bible, the Word of God. And yet Jesus is called the Word. And that's the reason why those two things go together is because the Bible as the Word of God is about the Son, the Word, the eternal Word. Everything in Scripture, all things point to the Son. And then another one said, He is called the Word because He brings glad tidings from the bosom of the Father. He is the one that represents the triune God to us and speaks the words and the message of salvation from God to those who need to hear the gospel, the message of salvation. He, he is the word. He is, he is not just the messenger, but he is the message. He is the word. 
Um, he is both things for us. John would say again, you know, it's amazing when you read the Gospel of John in the book of First John, how many parallels there are. Imagine that. Um, First John, he would write this in First John 1, 1 through 3. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. I mean, right there in three verses, he packs a lot in. But, you know, it's safe to say that he's trying to communicate that he has fellowship. He has seen and touched and had fellowship with the eternal God. And he is sharing what he has experienced about his fellowship with the eternal God so that those who are hearing and reading might have fellowship with the eternal God as well. So that we might all have fellowship together. Like Jesus is our point of fellowship, but he is also like the way we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with him, and we have fellowship with him because of him. And so, in the beginning was the word. He is the message and the messenger of the Father to us. And then he goes on to describe the word in two ways. The word was with God, and the word was God. Three persons, one essence, all divine attributes contributed to the word. And what's interesting what is that it um, makes it even more clear is that it, when you read this in the original language, it could actually read, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with the God, and the word was the God. Making it clear to, for us to know and for all the readers to know that he is referring to one God, the God, the true God, the living God. This is the one that we have fellowship with. The word is eternal. Um, he was in the beginning with God. Really, verse 2 shows us that this one that he refers to as the word, as the word is also a he, is a person. Right? He says in, the, in, the, in verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was, with, was God. He was in the beginning with God. And so he further clarifies who the Word is. The Word is the He. The Word is the person that has come to us. The one that we call Jesus has eternally and previously been known as the Word. And what we are beholding is deity himself. And really, there are passages that help us see this. Colossians 1, 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Colossians 2.9, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. It goes on in other passages of scripture to make clear to us that we would know that Jesus is God. He is the fullness of deity in bodily form. And then he goes on in verse 3 to continue to reinforce that point that all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that has been made. It's like 
he goes above and beyond to describe if, you, if it's been made, he made it. There's not anything that has been made that was not made by him. The eternal one that has always existed was in the beginning at creation. The son he spoke it into existence. It was created by him, for him, through him, to him. Physical and spiritual. The devil was created by the Son and through the Son. Think about that. Every physical reality and every spiritual reality, right? Spiritual creatures, angels, demons, Satan, they're all created beings. And so when he talks about anything that has been created, he's talking not just about that which is physical, but everything spiritual. Everything was created by the Son, through the Son, for the Son, to the Son. Everything. Because he is eternal. He was there at creation creating. But not only is the word eternal, the word is life. And this is really, I think, for me personally, where it becomes really remarkable. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Life comes through him, from him, real creation life, but also spiritual life. There is no life of any sort apart from him. He not only spoke all physical things into existence, but he's the one that comes and gives spiritual life to us. Why would we not, why would we not worship and glorify and enjoy that one that has done that for us, the eternal one. He has, you establish the eternality of God and you come quickly to realize he has no lack. There's nothing outside of him that he desires other than him. And so for him to create anything at all is remarkable. For him to create anything in his slightly in his image is incredible. And then for him to pursue that image that rebelled against him and shook his fist at him, that's just like unfathomable. He comes and he, he comes to give life. In him, in him was life. He is the source of life. There is life teeming within the triune God. And the only reason anything has life is because he dispenses the life that is within him out into physical existence, spiritual existence, and makes it happen simply all by his own good choice and volition. And in him is life, and the life was the light of men. And he describes that life as the light unto man. And that becomes a common theme throughout the book of John. I am the light of the world. He would tell And at Lazarus's death in John eleven twenty five, Jesus testifies to being the life of men that exists after death. That if you have life in me, you would never die. Obviously not speaking of physical death, but those who have life in him because he is the life and his life is the light of men never fear the penalty of death. Because there is no separation and spiritual death for those who have life in him. Life and light, 
versus death and darkness is a common theme. And as the light pierces the darkness, he gives life to his own, real life, that his own might enjoy him. You think about where you were dwelling in the darkness. And by his by his goodness and his sovereignty, he sends forth his own light to pierce into that darkness and shine upon you and draw you out of the darkness and to give you life. And because of that, you have life within you. And that life is intended to, he came to give life and give it abundantly. You have abundant life in him now, not just then, but now. And so why would we not enjoy the life that he's given us in him? And then he calls us to be lights in the world as well, to let our light shine among men, because his light is that which gives life. And this is what I think is incredible for me personally out of all of it, is verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He's not losing, he's winning. You get that. Like, you look around the world, and it can look like the darkness is winning. But it's not. The darkness is losing, and the light is winning. The light has come, and the light is going, shining forth, and it is accomplishing his purpose. He is building his kingdom. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the kingdom of life. And the kingdom of light, the kingdom of death, and the kingdom of darkness is as sure as done. Stands no chance. The light came, shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Death has not overcome because he lives. And he lives now as he once imparted life unto us to, to give us spiritual life he continues to mediate for us and intercede for us on our behalf that we might know that we have life in him like my son my daughter never forget i have given you life and i intend for you to worship me in that life and glorify me in that life but to enjoy me in that life think about you you have He is the light of the world, and that life, that light is inextinguishable. It cannot be put out. It goes forth. Whether you can see it or not, it is shining, and it is shining brightly. He is accomplishing his purposes. The light is going out into the darkness, into the world, and it is bringing about what he desires. I think about this in two ways practically. The light in him drives away the darkness within us, and it produces holiness. You've, the, the light of the world has shone upon you and given you life, and his light continues to shine and to search into the deepest and darkest crevices of your being, exposing and drawing out and purifying you and filling us, if you will, with the light of life. So personally and practically, 
The life that is shining within you is, is driving the darkness out. That darkness will not overcome, right? He will complete the work that he began in you. You may feel like you're in reverse or you're backsliding or falling behind, but ultimately he will complete the work because he has given you light and the light continues to shine. Secondly, the light drives away the darkness in the world and salvation has come to those who dwell in darkness. Never forget that. You know people who aren't saved. They are not too far gone. The arm of the Lord is strong to save. The light is shining forth, and it is imparting life to his people. And so be encouraged by that as well. As John is writing to prove that Jesus is God, he's drawing our attention first to who Jesus is, the divine, eternal life giver. He is God. He is timeless. He is the creator. He is life. He is the victor. And it's about the supremacy of him over all other gods, over time and space, over creation, over death, and over loss. He is being held up as the spectacle of all things spectacular. And as we move through John, we're going to continue to watch him prove, God prove, who Christ is so that we might be drawn to him to have life and to glorify him and worship him, but also to enjoy him as we do so. So that is my prayer for us as we be, continue to move through the book of John um, and that we would enjoy the life that he has given to us in the Son. Let's pray.